fucking deep. Put it in deep. Polino's in, drop pass, Jones back to Polino with a shot, and he scores! Not only do I like it, but I want to spread it on toast and eat it. Pavelski back for Thorne. He's across the line. Shoots. He scores! The hat trick for Joe Thornton, and he puts the Sharks in front, 5-4, to four, and SAP Center explodes in excitement. You know, get pucks deep, putting the puck deep, put pucks in deep. He's chipping pucks, he's getting pucks deep. Just put the puck deep, get pucks deep, get pucks deep, pucks in deep, puck deep, pucks deep, keep getting pucks deep. Hey yo, pucks in deep podcast episode 22 is underway here on February 20th, back to a Wednesday, but only because it was a holiday. Did you enjoy the holiday, Lesko? Yeah, I mailed it in. I didn't do fuck all on it Monday. Is, it's the most useless holiday of all. Well, it's nice if the middle of winter give you a break, right? Yeah, it's true. It's true. Catch up on snow removal. I or played can... in that uh, hockey tournament this weekend. Oh, nice. Yeah. Well, we'll have to touch on that later. But right off the hop, I gotta, I gotta talk about those. I gotta talk about those intros there. So, first of all, the spread it on toast and eat it is like an all-timer for me. I've been showing it to people that don't even give a fuck. <laughs> they don't care at all. And I'm just like, man, you got to check this out. <laughs> like it, and it's so good. What it's goal so was that good. one from? Uh, well, it was Blue Jackets. I don't even remember, man. I, I can't even. I, I wish I could put me on the spot. I didn't have it in the notes. I was just like, I wanted to roll with it. I don't always know necessarily what the highlight is. I just try and find a great highlight to start the show. You know, it's my thing. I know it's your thing. So then the second good highlight led to a great story, which you brought to my attention. I don't even know how I didn't think of this, but you brought this to my attention, and I thank you for it because it's a great story. Joe Thornton scores the hat trick goal with time to spare as well, and in a tight, tight game. So like, I put them up, I think, at that point. 5 4. Put them up 5 4. So there was a chance maybe for an empty netter. Oh, right? Yeah. So, like, and you could hear it from the Sharks radio call. The, S- the, the, the arena, whatever it is, explodes with excitement because tell us, Lesko, what would happen if Joe scored four? <laughs> or well, allegedly. I guess, I guess the interesting thing in this story is he scored his first hat trick in, I think it was eight years. He's not much of a goal scorer, if you, if you know. He's obviously a huge assist guy. Right. Um, probably one of the best of all time in that department. But this, uh, a lot of people were referencing this, uh, what happened, I guess, back in 2013, I believe it was, and Thomas Hurdle scored four goals. And during the post-game press conference or the the scrums in the dressing room, the media is interviewing Marlowe, and they ask him about uh, whether or not he was showboating because he had a big celly on that fourth goal. And you can hear Thornton pipe up in the background, and he says, shut up, have you ever played the game? And then I guess the press like looked at him, and he said, I'd have my cock out if I scored four <laughs> goals. I'd have my cock out stroking it. So I think people were a little disappointed that Joe Thornton didn't score four goals in that game instead of the instead of just the three. And, of course, the media brought it up with him after um, in the postgame, uh, mentioned it to him, what he would have did had he scored four and I guess he kind of shied away from it. Oh, yeah. Well, he was just laughing. Like, he knew 
like it was such a loaded question that there was just no really really no way to avoid it you know and he had to just react i think he handled it really well yeah i mean the the veteran that he is he's played over 1500 games in the nhl and you're right assist guy 10,000 or excuse me 10,000 1051 1051 assists to 410 goals yeah 15th so, all time in nhl scoring and still yeah. moving still yeah kicking exactly around. so yeah that was that was that was pretty epic though when they were asking him about it and he's just like he's got the towel over his face <laughs> and he's just like oh man laughing about it if you have time you got to go check it out we almost played it as an audio but yeah the uh i was on twitter the night he got the uh the hat trick and everybody's like, you have to turn on the Sharks game in case Thornton gets four. That game was crazy as well, too, yeah, right? We've like, had a couple of crazy games this past week. I, uh, heard I some... know the Senators and Blackhawks as well had that <sighs> insane game the other day. It was nine goals in the first period alone. I needed the power to go out in that game because the guy I'm playing this week in fantasy has Debrinket, and every time my phone vibrated, I, I all I saw was the word or the name Debrinket okay, over and over five again. points, right? Like, it was insane, man. It was just awful. Oh, I kept looking at it. I was like, this game has to stop. But, it, like, from a fan's perspective, pretty goddamn exciting, though. Yeah, the Hawks are hot right now, but even hotter than the Hawks are, are the fucking St. Louis Blues, who just uh, showed the Leafs what they're all about last night. Uh, they set a franchise record 11-game winning streak and beat the Leafs in OT, which we just got back from hockey. Uh, the Leafs were 2 nothing, I think, when I walked in the door. Losing. And then they end up coming back and tie it. Um, Austin was on a mission there. He, he looked like he really wanted to put the Leafs back in that game, and it sounded like before that um, Frederick Anderson was the story for the Leafs, along with uh, Bennington being the story. I think their shutout streak ended at just over 400 minutes uh, they had what three posted three st- straight, I believe it was. Yeah, going three straight. Into that game, which two is, for Bennington and one for Allen. Yeah, which is absolutely insane. So um, there's a team that managed to salvage their season, and it it's kind of goes back to that old classic quote of uh, "They are who we thought they were," because we kept saying that <laughs> yeah, they're yeah. not this bad. Like they're actually a good hockey team, and now they're finally playing like it. Well, I mean, it, it really just goes to show you that the moves that that Doug Armstrong has made are actually starting to pay off. And I think if you're Doug Armstrong, you're thinking, man, you're kind of wiping your brow here and you're a little bit relieved because you went out and you picked up some some important pieces, obviously Ryan O'Reilly being being number one. That OT winner, holy. Did you see that goal he scored oh, last yeah. night? Well, of course I did. It was fucking he Leafs. He placed it, man. That was a really, really amazing shot. Bar yeah. down. Actually, I'm looking at the prep here, and, and I, I inserted the blues section late, obviously, because everything I do is very late. You always do the prep, and you do an amazing job at that, thank God. Uh, otherwise, we'd have nowhere to go for the episode. It would just be rambling on and on. So, um, But when I, when I fired in the blues, the thing is, is I already had the intro made the night that the spread it on toast and eat it happened or the day after I ended up tweeting the guy it's Bob. I don't want to pronounce his name horribly, but it's Bob. I think it's Bob McGilligan for the Columbus blue jackets radio. I ended up tweeting at him to be like, yo, where can I find this highlight? Oh yeah. 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 And then, uh, and he pointed me to uh, soundcloud. So I ended up snagging it off there. But, um, obviously if this was, I feel like if this was the blues versus 
any other team than Toronto, I would have ran with the Ryan O'Reilly overtime goal, <laughs> right? Why wouldn't I have? So uh, don't but need it, that salt. <laughs> I yeah, exactly. Uh, that that exactly. That's such a good way to put it. That would have been salt in my own wound. So I, <laughs> but like I said, I already had an excuse. I had that uh, spread it on toast and eat it called done early because it's like one of my favorites of of recent memory. So away we go. But yeah, I mean uh, Tarasenko, the guy's been having what it's been over a year now since Tarasenko was a real number one option. Um, he hasn't been very good as of late, but all of a sudden he's just like absolutely tearing it up. I don't know. Do you think this has anything, anything to do at all with the actual serious thought that came across these players that they may not be here any longer and they would like to stay there. So they, they tore it up and it kind of started with uh, Craig Berube taking over as the head coach, going 25 and 16 since he took over and, of course, leading or culminating with this 11-game uh, win streak and and continuing. So do you think there's any level of urgency from the players to be like, okay, we all came together. They brought us all in here because they believed in us and we're fucking this up. Now the coach has lost his job. Now we're all probably going to get fucking traded out for pieces. We're all going to separate. We like the team. We want to stay together. Boom. They get some goaltending, finally, and an 11-gamer. And yeah. everyone's killing it now. Yeah, I know we talked about it, and it was a pretty big headline at the time when there was uh, rumors, I guess, out there that um, perhaps Tarasenko or Pareko or some of those guys would be available. Um, Even Petrangelo, they, they too, right? were potentially right? looking at uh, some serious changes. Um, and I don't know where this story came from, but it, it looks like it resonated with the players um and not you know we don't really know as to whether or not that was a almost a strategic point of management to kind of put these guys on notice and be like hey like figure it out or you know and anybody's available but i think the the coach has a big part of it i mean they've kind of changed the whole outlook of the season for these guys and brought them together and uh is he in the running for the jack adams i guess is the real question um it seems like Barry Trotz be the run, runaway favorite right now in the island. I would based say so. on what they do because it's always you know take the team that nobody expects to be good and turns out they're actually kind of good. They've shaved off like over a goal per game. I mean, sure, goaltending is obviously huge for that, but I mean the team the team style is 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 phenomenal. They don't even have yeah. guys like in, in twenty goals. I think if St. Louis keeps rolling, though, you got to definitely have uh, Ruby in the consideration. And so he's actually a, an interim coach right now. So I'm wondering. If we find out, maybe not till after the season, as to whether or not he stays, because if this is a, a debut or a uh, you know a trial run for consideration for the actual head coaching job, I'm sure he's put himself very firmly at the top of that conversation. I mean, why why change if this is working uh, and if it continues to work and gets them into a playoff spot? And we've kind of said this all year: the West has been very wide open and. They find themselves pretty comfortably in a playoff spot right now and have an opportunity. They're closer to first than being out at this point. Yeah. Okay. That's what I was going to go for here. I was actually just pulling up the standings to, to double check here. But yeah, like they're third in the division, 69 points. And they are 10 points clear of Colorado, which is one point out of the playoffs as far as the wild card is concerned. So if you're actually thinking math here, you're, you are 10 points clear of officially being out of the playoffs. You're, uh, I guess they're six points clear of being in, in, in the wild card. So like, yeah, like they're not really panicking, but here's the thing that I heard on the radio today. 
January 3rd, and this is what prompted me to look up their record since Barube. I actually did that homework because I was like, wow, they should have said what the record was. So I had to go digging, right? Do my own work. So that's why I, was, that's why I know that they're 25 and 16 since he took over. But January 3rd, they were in last place in the league. That's incredible. January 3rd, they were last place in the league. And now they're 10 points clear out of out of being out of the playoffs. I mean, third in the division and trending up, beating a strong team like Toronto, getting three shutouts in a row. Your guys are killing it. I love it. It's been it's been exciting. It was a really exciting game to watch from what I saw, except the first period, which I saw a lot of the Blues seem to dominate the Leafs. Yeah, apparently the Leafs didn't wake up to the second period, so... That's what I heard. Yeah, I guess well, went while we weren't watching. So yeah. Anyway, I guess nice. some old news to go over. This was happened just uh, was it just over a week ago? Um, Evgeny Malkin getting the suspension for a, a pretty reckless throwing of a stick at, towards someone's face. <laughs> he, um, he he looked real pissed off. You could tell, and it was quite reactionary. Like he he wasn't thinking. That's for sure. And I'm I'm sure he realized shortly after that heat of the moment kind of got the best of him there. But see, here's where I disagree with you. And I know what you mean when you say he wasn't thinking. You're like, oh, I don't know. I believe that he was thinking. And he was thinking about fucking maybe slashing someone with a stick like that. Like, other, what, what, why else would you do that? Like, are you are you saying maybe it was more of like a fake punch kind of situation? Like, oh, no, for you. sure. Like, he definitely swung a stick yeah. at the guy, but it was just done in such a reckless way. You know, he's he's it's ridiculous. Out the one arm, you know, like, you know, mad. Whip, yeah, he's whipping the, whipping the stick. It's it's a spendable play because it's reckless, right? Like and a like a tantrum. He only got one game, and but he's you know he's a pretty dirty player. Like he, he knows know. how to defend himself with he his is. stick. Like he will put the fucking lumber to you if it's he true. has to, right? He so, yeah. I, I mean, it's if it's someone else, people will scream and cry bloody murder, and I understand that, and that's just the nature of, of being a fan, I think. Yeah. And uh, I think what what this brings up is, is the consistency issue, right? So if, you know, he connects in a different way or the guy's injured, I would expect the NHL to apply that, which the, I don't think they should. I think it's the act, the act, right? And that's a pretty reckless act so i might have given it more than one game but at the end of the day i'm not gonna throw a fit over it either i wanted three and i'm not necessarily i agree with you i'm not necessarily throwing a fit over one but i think one sends the wrong message right right i think one sends the message that well the penguins are a very profitable team right now and they're pushing for a playoff and we need the penguins to be in the playoffs yeah and they need Malkin because they've been struggling without him. And he's been out with an injury. Now he comes back and does something fucking stupid like this. We have to suspend him, but we can't do multiple. Like, why not even two? Yeah. Because it didn't connect? Is that is that what you're saying? I don't know. And that's... that's because it didn't was, connect. Would that be the NHL's rationale there? I guess. Is and it, it kind of it makes sense. Res- I'm not saying that result. that's wrong. Yeah. I'm not saying that that's necessarily wrong. But I'm just saying I don't think it sends the right message. Because you can't have... You can't be letting players do this. Because what if he hit him, like, right in the eyeball and, like, fucked him up yeah, for his career? Yeah, back to, to the consistency, one game? the consistency issues with the NHL and their suspensions. So did you see the Goudis one? The Goudis one I did not see. Okay, well, look, I got I click it right now. If you got the prep in front of you, yeah. click it while I'm talking because I'll, I'll, I'll lead you into it. The Goudis one, as you'll see in a moment, is like a fucking 
love tap. A little, like literally a little fucking bonk on the head. Like doink right on your fucking head of Kucherov. <laughs> Kucherov sells it like a million dollars worth of whatever. Big slash on fucking concussed. But it's like they're kind of jockeying for position or whatever. Kucherov, I think he kind of embarrasses Gudis because he knocks his stick out of his hand a little bit and then Gudis is pissed about it. So like on the way down of getting his stick back, he's like bonk right right on Kucherov's head. And Kucherov's like, oh, I'm fucked up. Like he got two games for it. Like I'm okay with, with, with the two games. I would have given him five probably because he was suspended last year for trying to fucking decapitate uh, Matthew Perot. Remember that one, dude? Yeah. Behind the goal line when Perot was down on his knees and fucking Gudis slashed him like right in the back of the neck. Like it was horrible. Yeah. And I he think got, he got 10 for that. Yeah. And that's Gudis for you though, right? So, but you're only going to give Gudis an, a, a repeat offender with a, with a history. I know that's fucking saying one thing, same thing twice, but he, this is his MO. His MO is to like, you know, have moments of his brain shutting off and fucking <laughs> doing something stupid. So yeah. you only give him two for a connecting play and you give Malkin zero for what I think was a worse like action. I think it was a worse action as a player on another player. Yeah, like more aggressive. It was way more aggressive and it yeah. could have been way worse than fucking Gudis's head bop. Did yeah. you end up seeing it? But it's the outrage too of it being on Kucherov. I mean, we've talked about this before, how how reactionary they are to, you know, who does it, who's on the receiving end of it. And so it actually works out quite well. Result is. <laughs> I didn't even really tie that in. Yeah. Like you're tying that in perfectly. I feel like I, I should have noticed it myself. It's kind of the same thing because Kucherov, the star, gets gets hit. He's suspended for two, but because Malkin, the star, does the the incident, I guess, but again, I guess we come back to the fact that it just didn't hit him. So yeah, you can't suspend him just because you didn't hit him. But anyway, yeah, I, I guess we're in agreement somewhat that it should have been more based on the action itself. Well, like I, <laughs> one guy, I think, it, dude, it was Rich at hockey, right? He says, or no, I, I don't know, someone at hockey says uh, something along the lines of this: like, what if, what if you're driving your vehicle and like you, you try to run someone over, but you fail to do so? Like, yeah. it's just. Is it just like, okay, because you didn't end up running them over? Everything's fine? <laughs> like, no, like you should be. In... There's some intent there. <laughs> yeah, man. Like, and we have video evidence of you like recklessly trying to fucking hit that person and you just missed them. <laughs> yeah. So I guess I want to move on here to the Boston Bruins and the overly weirdly detailed tweet they sent out to announce David Pasternak's recent injury. Um, for those of you who haven't followed this, it, it something happened off the ice and I think it was um, a Sunday or Monday night or something. Uh, so they announced it the next day. This is going back to the 12th. This tweet was released, but it says exactly this Pasternak and several of his teammates attended a sponsorship dinner on Sunday night at about 1130 while walking to his transportation, his transportation, whatever that was, Uber, I guess. Yeah. Pasternak fell and injured his left thumb. Team will know better in two weeks, but Pasternak is expected to return and play this season. This season? So, one, does this, were they trying to get out in front of something here by providing um, a lot of like timeline details with his teammates? Everyone's there. So, 
where there's going to be a consistent front in terms of answering questions on this? Because this is a really unusual statement and obviously an unusual manner in which a player gets hurt. I mean, you always hear about kind of funny, odd, off-ice, off-the-field stories where yeah, players sure. have been hurt before. But I just thought this statement was really weird. It almost generates more questions than it answers. Well, yeah. I mean, the Leafs, if it was the Leafs, Babcock would have us believing that he could play next week. Well, it's like, oh, he's day-to-day, he's week-to-week, he's lower body injury. Like, at least the old Leafs would have been like that. And it just makes me think that there's more to this. We'll probably never know what exactly it was, whether there were booze in or whatever they were goofing around or something. Because this sounds weird. Like, you know, you've fallen, I've fallen. You ever hurt your thumb falling? Like, I don't know. Well, I mean, I guess it kind of makes sense, though. Like, if he went thumb first trying to save it or something. I guess, but even that seems hard to do. But I just thought it was funny. I thought it was worth bringing up because it's just a a strange tweet. And it's like they really, really ironed out this this statement here. Like, nobody will ask any questions. This sounds pretty firm. We're sticking to this story and no more, no less. I'm interested by the specific words used for, like, the season. Will... Will he's what did they say again? Expected to play this season? Yeah, that seems pretty vague. I mean, I guess the season's coming to an end. Yeah, it's not really much of a. I don't know. It's not really a timeline. It's not a very good timeline. No, but and, uh, what weren't the initial reports? Um, what did I? What was I reading? Re like reevaluated in two weeks. Yeah, that's right. That doesn't mean he's back in two weeks. That means, like, I've always looked at that as being a bad thing. Like, reevaluated is a bad thing. I I was thinking that because you don't have a real timeline at this point, and I think they were maybe trying to give some reassurances to the fans by saying, "Oh, he'll be back this season." Again, not a big deal. None of this. Don't look away here. None of this is a big deal. <laughs> he was just out at a sponsorship dinner. Well, like I know, and I know this is not like what the what the NHL used to be. They weren't probably fucking hammered or anything like. You know, they might have had a few. Yeah, sure. Who cares? But again, I guess, yeah, at the end of the day, like, you're right. Who cares? And it sucks sucks if you're a a Boston fan and, you know, I know they're they're still in a good spot in the standings and I I don't really see that. uh, Don't worry, they got Jake DeBrusque. Yeah, I don't don't see it causing them tons of problems. But, I mean, I'd I'd be a little bit pissed off, though. Like, you know, somebody, you find out tomorrow that Mitch Marner's out because of some off ice, you know, shenanigans of sorts yeah yeah you're you're right you if you're gonna you don't want to see an injury obviously at all yeah but if you're gonna see one let's see it on the ice yeah on the ice you're a little more understanding of something that occurs playing the game or like what we talked about earlier in the season when guys who has a tore their achilles or something in like a a preliminary fit testing sprint yeah yeah in the camp like it's just shittiest ways to get hurt yeah it's true yeah uh, what do we got next here? Old man yells at Sellies. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't actually see. I didn't actually see it. I didn't want to tune into it because it's just. I don't even really need to see it. I can already. You, you know it. exactly what yeah. he's saying, right? Yeah, like I can picture it anyways, and it's just. <laughs> I remember you, your little thing says, "Give your takes." I'm like, "Cherry is a dinosaur." That's my only take. My only take is that Cherry is a dinosaur. I don't necessarily like fully, fully disagree with Don. though. like it is off the wall. But I get his point. Yeah. But just 
relax. Relax a little. Yeah, <laughs> that might be a, a good way to do it. Because, yeah, he, he calls them a bunch of jerks, eventually. <laughs> which, and he said something weird like, imagine Justin Williams doing this kind of thing. He's he was his idea, apparently. right? <laughs> like, and he's like, oh, I thought... I thought Rod Brindamore was a stand-up guy because he's uh, what is he a uh, coach or GM of the yeah he's coach a coach of the Canes. yeah he's, coach. Yeah, and he, like, he's so disappointed in Rod Brindamore and like yeah like how could you do this like I know he's coming from the old man traditionalist you're disrespecting the game like the game's over okay and you know what you watch the videos of the sellies they're doing some of them are completely out- outrageous and ridiculous but guess what the games are over. The other team's not on the ice, and yeah. the fans are still in their seat. Yes, it's working for them, right? It is. It you're is. you're a team in the in the Midwest out there. Like you gotta you gotta do something to to make your name and to make some headlines and generate some good press for yourself. So subsequently, they've ended up selling these T-shirts now that say "bunch of jerks" on them. <laughs> I saw. So that. they're fully capitalizing. I so saw good that. on them for that. It's true. I saw that on my Facebook feed, and I'm telling you right now, like I nearly had a click on it because it's a good, it's a good shirt. It's a nice shirt. <laughs> it's a good shirt, and you're right. Yeah, bunch of jerks on there. I don't know. Everybody's got their take. I mean, everybody's got their take on the sellies. I, I. I watch them. I watch them after, like after they've happened. I don't watch them live. I don't remember the last time I was watching the end of a Carolina Hurricanes game, to be honest with you. But I will seek them out afterwards. Like I won't necessarily go and fucking Google them and shit, but they often will scroll, you know, as I'm on social media or whatever. Yeah, you'll see it. And it's. I'll see it and watch it. Yeah, it's generating publicity for them. My least favorite one was the uh, Duck Duck Goose. Yeah, that one was brutal. <laughs> I thought that one was bad. Yeah. But my favorite might be the one that they followed up with, which was the uh, bat flip. Yeah, I'm uh, I'm privy to the thunderclap myself. I like that one. I like it because TFC does it at the end of their games too. I think it's pretty cool. What is that? To, sorry, is that just the uh, the the yeah clap? where they do the big overhead clap and then it speeds up eventually? Yeah, yeah I yeah. enjoy that one. That one's pretty good. I th- I got a good laugh out of the bowling one from the other day. That they did the human bowling. Yeah, and one and one guy is like uh, fucking, you know, teetering. Yeah, he's like the last pin to fall. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. That was good. Yeah, that was good. So anyway, good on the canes and keep doing what you're doing because you're gonna have to you have to find different ways and innovative ways to connect with your fan base out there. And thankfully, the product seems to be um, getting better this year. Um, they're still in contention for a playoff spot. One point out. Sebastian Ajo or Ajo has been playing phenomenal. Um, it, well, uh, we'll leave their trade uh, crap out there for one day, and uh, I think we'll, well, we're going to move on to some trade discussion anyway here shortly. Uh, the next thing I wanted to speak about was uh, a statement that Eugene actually put out a couple of weeks ago, just when the Stone and Duchesne headlines were starting to heat up in terms of the negotiations, where he had kind of put out this letter saying that we're going to be aiming to be competitive by 2022 to make unparalleled successful runs at the Stanley Cup and okay Eugene like well let's find out how that's going to happen so I, I'm wondering if that's kind of a PR move on his behalf being like hey like we've got we've got a plan here we're trying to aim for something and if these guys are going to sign here long term they've got to ha- they've got to know that something's coming now has that worked out for them doesn't sound like it because the most recent report saying that it's all but certain Duchesne's uh, going to be traded to the point where he's apparently been told he's not playing as well. Yeah, he's going to be scratched. He's ex- well, he's expected to be scratched uh, for their next three games. I believe it's Thursday, Friday, Sunday. 
if I'm not mistaken. I think I had that written down somewhere. Yeah, Thursday, Friday, Sunday. Um, I just actually, before you came over, I just did see something come across TSN that said uh, uh, apparently he's 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 acting as if he's playing. That was the quote. Acting as okay. if he's playing. <laughs> Well, I guess me, that's, meaning, that's the right answer. Sort yeah, of thing. but meaning like he's he's practicing hard. He's ex- yeah. I heard he was at Prakey. He's on. He's practicing on the first line, etc. Like maybe to that point, but it's I don't know. Maybe maybe we need line rushes. Do we have anything on line rushes for Ottawa lately? Like I don't know. But uh, as far as I know, like he he officially went on. Uh, holy fuck! My microphone just exploded there. He officially went on day to day on Yahoo. Uh, I think yesterday. So. You can put him on IR. That means he's fucking, he ain't playing. Yeah, and he'll be a huge get for someone because it's very seldom that, you know, top-line centers become available via trade. And here's one right now who's played very well for Ottawa uh, despite the kind of lackluster, you know, the or I guess lack of success that they've had over the last couple seasons. Uh, he's been a, definitely a bright spot for them and a driving force. So it's a shame that they can't get him down to a contract. I, but at the end of the day, I don't. If if both these guys end up not wanting to sign and put the Sens in a situation where they have to trade them, I you know I don't blame these guys at all, given the the circumstances and what they've witnessed over the last uh, year and a half as the teams come undone. Fifty eight points in fifty games this season for Matt Duchesne. And uh, I think you're right. I mean, they need to see the future there. And no one, I know you can't see the future mm-hmm. or predict the future, but they have to see a future, I guess is the better yeah. way to put it. They have to see a future there. And if you're going to get paid a boatload of money, you're going to get paid a boatload of money by more than just Ottawa. Yeah. So I guess with Duchesne is the other team, if they're going to pay top dollar for this guy, they're going to want assurances or you know, they they want to have a contract in hand, I would think, because you don't want to give up a boatload just on the rental because there's got to be the rental price and the signing price. And if you're Ottawa, you want Duchesne to be going to a place where, you know, the deal is there waiting for him because then you can get more in return. But I think this is going to be the biggest challenge is getting a return that allows fans to forgive them for the first uh, trade fiasco and giving up that first rounder, losing Kyle Turris, and you know, we won't really know the, the the extent of the damage until the draft lottery this season. But it's going to be a, have to be a large return to to somehow counterbalance. Well, man, there's a there's a market for both of these players. There's Absolutely, a, there's a big market for both of these players, specifically Mark Stone. I think that's why Sense fans want to see well. I believe if, if if I was a Sens fan, I would want to see Mark Stone stay for sure. If there's a, a piece that we can potentially build around, it's it's Mark Stone. 62 points this season in 59 games. So, I mean, like, the, the guy's killing it. 28 goals, 34 assists. Spent some time in the box, too. 22 pims. Like, he's a feisty player, right? Like, he, he won't back down. He's a good player. Like, he would be a, a great option to, to remain in Ottawa and try and turn this rebuild around. At 26 years old, right? So he's he's kind of, like, peaking, I would say, and he'll be at the peak for the next, let's say, let's call it four years, five years, right? Six years, even, if the team is good and they can surround him with something. But I don't know if, if that's going to happen, Lesko. They have no kick at the can this year at Jack Hughes. Next year, he's going to be a part of a tanking team. Yeah, they really have to buy in, and Ottawa's really going to have to sell them on 
hey, this is, you know, we believe in some of these young guys they got coming up, which they do have a good core of NHL-ready pieces. It's just how far along, how long will it take for that team to develop and does Stone see that as something he can wait for? Because if you're signing a six, seven, or eight-year deal, you want to know what's going on. What More importantly, you want to have a vision of what the team's going to look like in years like four, five, and six, or uh, four to eight or six to eight, like in the later portion of that deal, because you know for the first three to uh, three to four years of this deal that you're likely to be not very competitive. So why don't they, why don't they trade Mark Stone to Winnipeg and get a boatload for him because he's worth a boatload, and Winnipeg would probably love to have him. But I don't know. I mean, I guess would they? I don't know. I don't know that much about the Winnipeg Jets, but. He's from Winnipeg, and Winnipeg doesn't – they haven't done anything right to, to add yet. Well, we have to see what happens at the trade deadline, but why not acquire Mark Stone? And then Mark Stone would just go back to Ottawa. If he wants to stay in Ottawa, then let the team trade you for assets that will help you, Mark Stone, when you return in free agency. Mm-hmm. And, and that wouldn't be surprising because it sounds – it sounds like the the media consensus uh, during this entire saga has been that Stone is most likely to stay. Kind of likes it there, you know. He's come up with the organization and seems but then leave. to stick around. But then, yeah, you're right. And then stay. But then, and it's out of his hands though at this point, right? But no, it's Un- not unless like, he signs a contract extension. Yeah, but why wouldn't why wouldn't <laughs> his like why wouldn't his representatives be like, listen, dude, like. You're going to go and compete for a cup real quick. It's going to be like a World Junior Tournament all over again. <laughs> You're going to leave your team and go play for another team that's going to try and win the gold medal, i.e. the Stanley Cup. W- win or lose, you're going to end up coming back here and away we go. Just like World Juniors. Just like back when you fucking played with Brandon Weekings and got 123 points in 66 games. Because that's what they're potentially losing. But if you're the organization, you want to lock them down now. Unless there's like... There's got to be some way, man, to have like a gentleman's agreement and be like, yo, just fucking trade me. Let's go. Trade me to Winnipeg for a first and a young guy. And then I'll come back and we'll have that first round pick and that young guy. And I can mentor them, you know, through 27, 28, 29, 30. You know, hopefully I'm peaking and we might be good enough. Yeah. Uh, and, And Winnipeg seems like a logical destination, but that definitely would be a rental scenario for them. Obviously, Winnipeg's going to have their own cap considerations to worry about this but like, summer, but it's all the more reason for them, I think, to to try and pick up uh, a major player, a major asset leading into this deadline because they got to take a run. They got to take a run this year for sure. Yeah, it's true. They do. And I mean, like one last thought to Ottawa as well. Plus, they're going to get a huge boatload as well for Duchesne. So you're going to get you're going to get returns for Stone, returns for Duchesne, and then Stone can come back and be the fucking captain. And it'll yeah. be a weird scenario where it's like, hey, this is one of the first times in sports history where we see a player sacrifice for the team's future. But sacrifice means go to another team and maybe win a yeah, cup. Yeah, not sign. I guess the only thing is it takes him away from getting an eight-year deal out of Ottawa. And if he just had his heart set on that. But anyway. Oh, yeah, good point. You know, a, a little uh, light at the end of the tunnel for Sens fans. There's an opportunity for the Sens to kind of restock the cabinets if they do, in fact, uh, miss out on signing these guys. Well, I mean, are we are we sticking with trades? Do you have info on any well, trades? The, are, so you, are you pulling the insider yeah, card Yeah, I know. Here? I've been uh, making some calls to my sources. And <laughs> the only one I heard so far that the biggest player on the trade bait board, uh, Artemi Panarin, 
who we figure is um, all but certain to get traded here, uh, apparently is not well right now, Josh. I heard he was, uh, quote, shit in his pants. (laughs) Shit in his pants. Shit in his pants and puking. Right, I guess maybe oh, I don't know. Man, Get, getting it from both ends. Torts knows how to throw out a soundbite. Eh? He's just—he's a living soundbite. Everything Cause, he says. Because of course the speculation was that oh, Panarin's sitting out against Montreal. I wonder if they're wrestling him because they want to trade him. Nope, <laughs> no, he's sick. He says he's puking. He's shitting his pants. Like he has everything. <laughs> he's got everything. I mean, like it could be true. I guess it is that time of year, isn't it? Oh, and it's, I don't have any reason to doubt it, but I just thought it was funny how, how hard he came back at that question, right? Yeah. But I mean, do you not think like, do you think they would shut him down? Like when you know you're trading a player, why wouldn't you shut him down? Right? Like with Ottawa shutting Duchesne down makes perfect sense. Yeah. And it's, it's, I, it wouldn't be surprising if they were shutting him down. So it would make this all that more ridiculous if, they were, and he wasn't actually sick. You know, I assume he, I'm assuming he was actually sick and just given the response. But I mean, this isn't even the story here. Nobody even cares. I think it, it almost played a good little distraction bomb on the whole Pernarin story because for the last 24 hours, the story hasn't been the trade speculation or anything like that. It's yeah, been, it's, it's, it's just a bit about Torrance saying shit my pants on live TV. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> or shit his pants. He just says whatever he wants. It's I great. love the guy. That's great. So we did have another trade, right? Uh, goaltender trade, which I thought was pretty interesting. Yeah. Uh, flyers and uh, Flyers and Oilers, right? So you're, you're figuring this one is more of a, a cap dump situation for the Oilers? That's what I thought initially because we know they do have cap problems. And if you just gave Koskin in that money uh, – and you have no plans for for Talbot, which I would assume that's the case, given that they're they signed Kostinen and then have gone and tossed him out for a backup. Like they did a one for one backup, picking up Stolars from Philadelphia. Yeah, Talbot for Stolars. So they've the clearly lost all faith in Cam Talbot. But if I'm Cam Talbot, this is the best thing that could happen for me. Because it could right be the now, Devin Dubnik. It could be another Dubnik situation. I mean, he we know what Cam Talbot's capable of, and. These last two years have been bad, but it's it's more I think a reflection of the team. His play hasn't been great, but I think that's that's always a factor here. He goes into a situation though in Philadelphia where the team's been playing relatively well. There's not a shit ton of pressure because they were expected to be out of it. I mean, we were writing them off back in what November, yeah, when they started turf and staff and everything, yeah. So he comes in a situation where Carter Hart is the almost the guy right now, other than oh. he's he's not where they want him to be. Fuck, he played back to back recently. Yeah, I mean, he's if that's winning, not a guy, show me a guy. Yeah, he's winning the game, so he comes in a situation where there's not a lot of pressure on him either. So we might not see it this year, but if he if he gets a, a good amount of opportunity to play some games, it might be a good chance for him to level himself up and tee himself up for his UFA status coming up this summer. Well, I mean, I, I think uh, it all comes back to the old cliche, as you mentioned, the change of scenery. And sometimes it works and sometimes it doesn't. I mean, it's just flip a coin, I guess. Some some guys, it really helps. And you know what? I think it's more, I feel like it's more in line with goaltenders because maybe just that system doesn't help you individually. That's not to say that the system is bad. It's not. It's just saying that whatever you see in the net, the way you see the players attacking you with the puck, it doesn't work well for your psyche. So you move to a new organization, and all of a sudden the way that they defend the oncoming attack 
suits your eye. You're able to stand on your feet maybe a few like split seconds longer before you go down and all of a sudden you're you feel bigger you feel more confident and all of a sudden boom something clicks and you're making save after save and you're just looking confident out there and i feel like that that's what that's what happened with devin dubin that's that's why i, I liken the case to a devin dubin i feel like cam talbot might want to even pick up the phone and call his buddy devin and see what he had to do with his comeback to uh to, to return to form because we have seen Talbot play very well uh, at the NHL level and in this era. It's not like it was a long time ago. Yeah, yeah. You know, it was it was good. He had a good year. No, this is a good opportunity for him to uh, to kind of solidify his numbers and hopefully have a, a good last couple months of the season and tee himself up because uh, he, he's he was at the point in Edmonton where he's getting run out of town by the fans, by the organization clearly, and but this is a good opportunity for him. I think this is the best thing, best news he could have got all year was that he got traded somewhere else. So any more moves in line for uh, for Philly? I know that Simmons is kind of on top of the trade bait board. Simmons is the big talk. I imagine right now the price is too high, and I think I think so too. We saw in uh, Elliot Friedman's thirty month thoughts uh, that was released on what Monday this week or Tuesday, sorry, uh, that. It seems the Duchesne Stone situation is going to be what sets the market. People are waiting for the big fish to fall, the Panarins, before the price can be determined for the secondary tier of players available. Yeah. And I think Simmons falls in that tier. Uh, if they're asking too much, teams are going to go elsewhere. I mean, if it's going to cost a first and a prospect package or something, you're going to try and dangle that package at a, uh, at a, a better player. I, I hate to say it, but... Um, I can definitely see him getting traded because I can see that there's a lot of suitors for him. It's just it's most likely to be a deadline day deal once some of the other dominoes have fallen. I feel like we might be in line for a good deadline day. It could be, you know, the last couple of years have been so boring. Like I used to like stay home from Bore. school yeah, or too. like yeah. and watch it all damn day, and and it got terrible eventually. And it seems in the last couple of years that most of the deals have happened between around the All Star break, really in the in in the the weeks leading up like teams don't want to leave that much time and not be under the gun on the day of and it's it's from a from a uh, logistical standpoint I guess for a team and and from a player personnel standpoint like we mentioned this with the Muzzin deal getting a guy in there earlier than the trade deadlines just sounds like a better idea oh man let the player get acclimated to his surroundings uh to his teammates for who wants to be his roommate. Yeah, I remember we were talking about this before. Like, you create a bond uh, a lot sooner than crunch time. Yeah. And realistically, the trade deadline is less of a deadline day now and more of a, um, what am I trying to say? Like a, a checkpoint in the schedule. Okay, we've reached the final checkpoint. Yeah, I... I, I- I think because of the, I think because of the big names involved that we, you're right. We could see a lot more action on the day of just because when you have big names, you have more complicated deals. Yes, and they take true. a long time to negotiate. Like we go back to the Muzzin deal once again. Duba started those negotiations around Christmas time, and then finally pulled the trigger uh, in at the end of January, early February. So it took them a month to get that deal. So if you're negotiating a deal, say starting at the All Star break and then going to the um, trade deadline, that's about a month timeline right there. Yeah, you're right. You're right because it's funny like. As a fan, you're sitting there and you're talking to your friends or, you know, you're whatever, going on social media and debating with other fans. And for me, it was 
all right, Kyle, let's make a trade. You know, like, like, come on, let's make a trade. Now we want it to happen fucking immediately. Like we want it to happen yesterday. Yeah. But the point is, is that if you want to do it right, you got to do it right, which means you got to take your time. And in, in what, th- like in what aspects of life is not taking your time a good thing? Like, and I don't mean like, well, racing, like I get that. But even then, like you have to take a breath as you're about to do your thing. Like before you fucking, you know, hear the gun and you're off, like you got to fucking get collected and shit. You got to get prepared. So that's what that's what I feel the Leafs did with a big deal in Muzzin. We'll see how it pans out. Um, he's still got some time to to get sorted out. I mean, we'll talk about the Leafs in our second half a little bit more in depth. Let's go, but yeah, we'll leave it at that. He's getting he's getting he's, he's getting worked in there. He's seeing a bunch of pairings, that's for sure. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> uh, one more story I wanted to mention quickly because we did talk about it in the early days of our show. Um, the Athletics Dan Robson came out with an excellent uh, article on Ray Emery's his hockey story, his life story, and actually provided some pretty interesting details um, from the day he passed. Uh, if you guys don't recall, uh, Ray Emery was having a late one there out in the Hamilton Harbor and uh, jumped into the water, didn't resurface, and uh, had ended up drowning. But apparently his, this was his thing, right? He, used, he was all about, like, he was a big-time swimmer, and he loved, like, uh, challenging himself. Risk. So, so what happened apparently is he said, I'm going to swim to that dock underwater, like kind of betting his buddies back and forth that he could do it. Right. Right. And tried to do this and then did never came up, did not come back up. And he had actually, uh, referenced a, a, a story earlier in his life where he was doing something similar and actually had, uh, had, had, you know, pushed himself to the absolute limits where he had almost, he had almost, caused himself problems like i had, had trouble breathing i guess and you know got close to that point you know it's that shit scares the shit out of me so i don't really know how to explain what that point is like yeah but no, i guess I, I guess this was his thing though yeah i was i was reading that earlier yeah and that's what i collected from it as well was that he would push himself to limits uh he would swim the length of pools eight or nine times at a time uh and you know basically for for a dare or for lunch money, yeah. he would just you know basically show off and do it, which is very impressive. But in a in a in a controlled environment like a pool, it's obviously safer. You would be able to to assist someone. But of course, in this instance, and the other thing I wanted to bring up too, Lesko, was um, he used to do it in the open water, but he he would have spotters. If you were reading that part, he would put spotters out two hundred yards. Oh say, yeah, I want that's you right. To, I want you to tread water right around this area. And if I'm not up by now, like what, like watch for me as I come by or whatever, right? And they would spot him as he went. So he he said the same thing to his buddy on the boat that time. He said, "I just want you to jump in and just kind of go ahead of me a little bit." And then that was it. The yeah. guy said that was it. He literally went into the water three feet beside me and never never saw him again. Yeah, it's a crazy story and and uh, and really sad one as well. But if you have an opportunity, do check out that article. Uh, I think he's he's a very interesting interesting player, and I, uh, I love a good hockey story, and Ray Emery is definitely a, a very good example of that. Well, where are we headed now? Um, we want to take a break, or we want to? Uh, I wanted to do fantasy. Uh, let's save the fantasy for uh, the end of the uh, second segment. Do you have anything else for uh, for us around the boards, or are we gonna sail off to? Break? Oh, I think we got everything there. I wanted to, uh, I don't know what happened to this fucking link that I put into the prep. It just keeps going to a video, but I, I, I wanted to pull up the uh, TSN trade bait board. That's where I was going when I was saying to you that I was really, I was actually 
looking forward to this trade deadline day because of the amount of talent that was going to be available. Like there are going to be contending teams that are guaranteed to be adding some severe talent to their roster. Like, I mean, whoever picks up Panarin, I mean, where is he going to play? That's an absolute game-changing type line, player as first well. Line, and, then, yeah. and then someone on your current first line is going to go down to your second. You know what I mean? Like, I mean, I guess you're going to be losing a roster guy probably. Like, with each trade, your guys are guys are definitely going to be going out. But, I mean, if you can acquire one of these players for maybe a couple picks, a prospect, and like a third-line guy, you're just – all you're doing is inserting a guy like Panarin into your top six. Like, Duchesne into your top six. Mark Stone into your top six. Like, these are some really elite level players that are going to be on the move. And I'm really looking forward. Really, really looking forward to it. Yeah, absolutely. And I just pulled up an, uh, an older list actually from January. It doesn't have Panarin on here. Um, so he would be kind of the top of the list now. But at this time, it was Duchesne, Simmons, Furlan, Zuccarello. Zubrovsky, uh, Dougie Hamilton, Gustav Nyquist, Jimmy Howard, Braden Shen, which I would think you could take him off the yeah, list. Yeah, take now, the given, St. Louis guys. Yeah, off, given yeah. the St. Louis situation there, especially with one year left on his deal. And just Bobrovsky, is there more? No more goal, no more goaltenders on the move potentially. I I think Bobrovsky is the only one. I, there's been a lot of speculation on Jimmy Howard as well. Yeah, Jimmy Howard. Yeah, that's true. But realistic, I, I remember we talked about this before too. Like the contending teams aren't necessarily begging for a a rental like, goalie, yeah. a rental number one guy. That's right. <laughs> like everybody has a number. A one A lot guy. of people were connecting him to Edmonton, but I don't see it for them either at this point. Oh my goodness, that'd be throwing their hands up in the air. That could be the old boys club pulling off a deal like that. Let it go. Move on. <laughs> all right, all right, all right, all right. All right, we're going to move on into a quick break here, take a fiver, and then we're going to come back with some Leafs and some fantasy here on the Pucks and D podcast. Don't go away. All right, we're back here on the uh, Pucks and D podcast, and uh, I guess we've got uh, a little bit of uh, breaking news. Let's go. Did you uh, stumble across something on Twitter or what? Yeah, we got a trade to announce. Oh wow! Give it to the fans, baby. Nice. This is the closest I'll ever get to being on the Trade Center panel. (laughs) Give it to us, Duthie. Let's go. So the Bruins have acquired uh, Minnesota right winger Charlie Coyle in exchange for Ryan Donato in a fifth round pick instant analysis to Josh Coleman. What do you think? Uh, I love Charlie Coyle. I don't really know why, but I've always really, really liked Charlie Coyle. And now instantly I have to hate Charlie Coyle. Instant hate, which is really unfortunate because I don't have him this year. Uh, in fantasy, but he's good under the radar. He is guy in fantasy. Always a good under the radar, which is funny because if you talk to a bunch of like if you talk to enough fantasy nerds, or I shouldn't say nerds, just people who play like fantasy on the regular, they all seem to know it. They all seem to know that Charlie Coyle is underrated in fantasy. But he's always a waiver. But he's pickup. always a waiver he's pickup. Waiver How do we all know that he's underrated? Yeah. But then somehow we snag him, and then we're like, oh yeah, I got Charlie Coyle in my lineup. Like, but he he's. Uh, He's good. He's a good serviceable, what is he, winger? He's got to be a winger. 
Yeah, well, they have him on seat, uh, center right wing, but I think he predominantly plays the wing, and I would assume that would be the situation in Boston as well. Interesting for Boston to give up Donato. I know they had a lot of high praise for him, uh, but they have also got a lot of guys kind of in the same level at the same area, I guess, um, and kind of point in in their careers. So um, I guess they figured he was expendable uh, to bring in a guy like Coyle. I mean, he's somebody, I know they were looking for top six help, in particular for their second line, and I think uh, Coyle is, is a perfect fit in that role for them, uh, gives Krejci a, another scoring winger option. Well, I mean, uh, he's a heavy player too. Coyle's six feet, 220. Uh, Donato on the other side, six feet, 193. Uh, Donato's known for a little bit more of the uh, you know point scoring totals uh, necessarily uh not something uh, that Charlie Coyle is necessarily known for, but he can do, and that's why we were just raving about him for being under no, under owned in fantasy. Yeah, he scored, he scored twenty he, goals a couple of times. That's right. Given you know, not in the last couple of seasons, but uh, the capabilities there, and uh, obviously they saw something they liked in him. Yeah, I mean, I I think it's going to be a good trade for the for the Bruins. I I, I like them adding uh, a Charlie Coyle. And uh, yeah, like I said, it's 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 almost too bad. Instant analysis as a Leaf fan, you're kind of like, ah, oh, you're almost like, darn. But here's the thing, you know, you you knew that the Bruins were going to go and add. Yeah, it was. And I don't necessarily, I don't think that they're necessarily done. But if this is one of their bigger moves, then that's a great that's a great thing for us. Well, it's interesting because it's well in advance of the deadline, so you've got to figure that some of the higher priced assets out there uh, might, might not have been on their radar simply because they don't want to pay the price. Uh, now they've given up a very good, uh, I guess you'd consider a Donato still a prospect considering he hasn't played a ton at the NHL level as of yet. Yeah, 22 years old. So they've paid, they've paid a decent price for him, but given the price for you know some of the other guys who are out there, we're talking first rounders, top flight prospects, uh, that kind of thing. So this way they they get to um, they get to acquire someone to play in their second line, and they're giving up someone who was pretty much relegated to their bottom six. So, and would you agree with me when I say that I think maybe we are going to see a little bit of a transition in the league as far as trading is concerned, where there's a little bit more stake being put in on the buyers for prospects. Like, okay, normally we would want, you know, two first rounds and a third, but instead we'll do one first rounder and a fourth if you give us that guy. And the organization is kind of like, really, that guy? Okay, and you make the trade. And it looks like everyone... Well, not everyone wins, but it looks like the it looks like the seller won because they're like, well, geez, we we gave away that guy, now we're going out, we're going off on a run. But realistically, the team that acquired that prospect, they they value him a lot higher, and there's just more skilled players I find available. They're all over the place, and if you're good enough to be drafted, now you have your rights protected by a team, and they must trade you, so they value you to a certain degree. Mm-hmm. And if teams are willing to just trade these these young players, 20, 21, 22 years old and prospects. And all of a sudden they bloom for the, for the next team. Yeah. It's, it's an interesting move by Minnesota. And I, I like the acquisition from their perspective as well. Minnie's kind of the Columbus of the, of the West. Somewhat, somewhat. They kind I, of I think, just, 
They I think always, Columbus is better, but Minnesota's always there. Yeah. They're always there. They just seem there, and then they're not. And yeah. then you're like, did they make the playoffs last year? And you're like, yeah, I think yeah. so. Yeah, they did. Did they make the playoffs the year before? You're like, I'm not sure. I think they did, too. You think they did, <laughs> but they never win any rounds anyway, so you basically forget that they're, yeah. they're, they were even there. Yeah, exactly. Uh, All right. All right, brother, take us over. What are we having, Leafs here? Yeah, yeah. So we talked a little bit about the St. Louis game last night. One of the bigger stories that came out of that game that we didn't mention in the first hour was that our man, our boy, Nazem Kadri, got absolutely leveled in open ice last night. I just saw it. I didn't realize this until after um, we came back and watched the game after uh, after hockey last night, but he left the game and uh, apparently right now is out uh, for the foreseeable future with a concussion. So that's a that's a pretty big loss, even though Naz is our third line center. But I mean, he's got what fifteen goals, twenty assists, and they were taking up a good share of ice time recently as well. Uh, with Nylander really finding his legs and driving that line. Well, I mean, if you're going to talk about ice time, I'm going to use the segue perfectly to go into the Matthews debate. Kadri's out. The hit was clean. Okay, for starters, I ended up just seeing it a couple of minutes ago. The hit's clean. I don't mind it at all. He just gets jarred. I think he yeah. might get his bell rung a little bit. Oh yeah, no big deal. Um, but he, and he seemed to be okay right after the hit. I think you brought up the spotter, right? I think that's a good. Uh, that's probably a, a good thing to to think about as well. Um, he might just been taken off for a spotter, but I mean, if it's a concussion or concussion like sin- symptoms, uh, symptoms, then I don't know <laughs> what to think. So I don't know. But um, he's out of the game. He only played what eight minutes. I didn't Maybe. end up, yeah, didn't end up really looking sure. at it. But he played like eight minutes or so, and then he's out. Matthews still doesn't get the time. Like, why isn't Matthews up anywhere close? He's he's not even close to 20 minutes. Yeah, I was surprised that he. Uh, you wrote down here 16.52 against the Blues, and you'd think with Kadri out of the lineup, that would have uh, created a lot more ice time and opportunity for him. And from what I saw in the third period, Matthews was on a mission. I mean, he scored that goal. He was all over the ice. Him and Cappy were flying out there. Um, I know we've been kind of saying for a while when is 29 and 34 going to get back together. I think, unfortunately, um, this injury to Kadri is going to impact that timeline because what they had initially done last night is slotted Nylander over into Kadri's position on at center ice. And he actually he continued to thrive there as well. So we might be in a situation where after it, the Kadri and we, I think, have noted this before, but the center situation is not too good. I mean, we acquired Lindholm to allegedly be a center, and clearly Babcock's not having that because yeah. he's been playing on the goat's wing. I don't think you want the goat moving up to your third line either. No, because that totally redefines the role of that line. It's true. The line so, doesn't score at all. It well, it it, it turns <laughs> into a, a bit of a liability. The There's yeah, <laughs> completely hemorrhages their op- their offensive uh, potential. Right, so. <laughs> No offense, goat. Yeah, no offense, to goat. We love the goat. He on plays show. hard. Good pro. Yeah, that's right. Lives right. So, I think we will see an increase in Matthews' ice time with the injury taking place, but unfortunately, it won't be with our boy Willie. Yeah, I guess not. But I mean, it's it is really a shame at this point because Nylander has been trending up. I was somehow able to sell high uh, in fantasy. I saw, I traded Nylander. Um, I don't even remember the logistics of the trade, but I ended up getting dry settled back. It wasn't straight up. There was picks and other players, but yeah, um, I, I kind of sold high because the guy I, I traded with 
um, you know, he agreed. Like he's he's better than he has been lately. And as a, as far as a keeper pool is concerned, I'll gladly keep William Nylander next year. Yeah, and we haven't quite seen it manifest itself in points necessarily. But if you've been watching the games, you will have noticed that he's been one of our our better players, even at a, a reduced role. But we were all saying it's only a matter of time till he comes off that third line and gets reunited with Matthews. Like I have to think that that's the the point that the team is trying to get William Nylander at. That's the plan, right? Now this might throw a, a kink in that plan, and hopefully, you know, we don't really have a timeline for Naz's return yet. But hopefully, it's not too long because I'd hate to have them go into this deadline thinking, "Oh, do we need to get another center?" Yeah, because that's never an easy one to pull. And as we've seen in previous years, we've paid quite a price to acquire guys like Boyle and Placanitz at the deadline, paying second round. I know you don't need to do that. Well, the Boyle was okay. I didn't like the Placanitz as much, but then Placanitz ended up being one of our better performers. Yeah, in the playoffs. (laughs) That's why we. That's why we lost. Yeah, in the first round. Fuck. Okay, so so let's let me let me um, let me spin the cadre injury into the power play talk then, because for me, I mean, obviously, I never want to see any player get injured, and I like Nazem Kadri. I don't think he like should be down in the lineup or sitting or anything like that. I'm I'm not saying that his injury is a good thing, but if you want to take a positive out of this, a positive to take just may be some adjustments to the power play, which I know recently really got itself going back Finally in gear. Got itself yeah, going. but it got going against fucking Colorado. Miko yeah. Rantanen and, and Nathan Vegas. McKinnon have fucking 11 points this this month, in, in yeah. a month, in the last fucking 30 days. They have 11 points between the two of them or 12 or something stupid like that, man. The team is terrible, okay? They're fucking, they've lost every goddamn game they've played since the, the calendar turned yeah, into. Yeah, the wheels are yeah, really turned it's, off. It's an 18-wheeler, man. We've seen it. Yeah. That's what's happening out there. So I'm I'm not taking the power play away from the lease, but I am making sure that we discuss the fact that it was against Colorado in the midst of their fucking downward yeah. spiral. They finally okay? made a change though, and it did. But then, pay yes, off. exactly. So what I'm saying with the cadre injury is, what's he? He's he's the trigger puller in the high slot, right on the bump, right. on the bumper play. Mm-hmm. So I mean, maybe we get someone else in there. Maybe we get a Willie Nylander in there sniping and get his fucking confidence going because he's feeling good right now. It'd so be let a him good be a trigger pull. Let him be a trigger pull because that's less battle in the corner, and we know Willie doesn't necessarily love the battle in the corner. No offense, Will. But he's more useful he's to trigger them pull. in that in that position. I mean, yeah. he's he should be in a position, a shooting position for sure on the power play. Uh, so I think this opens up an opportunity for him, or an Andreas Janssen, or Kasperi Kapanen, which maybe if a month ago might have been the go-tos to jump onto the first unit. But I think Willie has earned his look. I couldn't agree more, and it's it's the right time. And I've been saying that to people as well, people Leaf fans alike as well not just haters or whatever you want to call anti-Leaf fans or whatever, fans of other teams who don't give a rat's ass about the Leafs. They're all kind of saying, I heard a lot of them say, oh, he's overpaid. You know, he's overpaid. And I like, I couldn't disagree anymore because I believe there will be a time in the very near future where he is underpaid at whatever he's getting. Just That's under, all we can just hope un, for. Just under seven. That's right? all we can hope for. And, and you know, he's, he's a great player. Absolutely. And, uh, you know, people aren't saying that right now, but we didn't sign him with the expectation that it's going to happen immediately. Well, I mean, he didn't have sixty-point seasons by accident. No, absolutely not. And <laughs> like, it's it's obviously not easy. We've learned that com- him coming in this late has has really, you know, it's it, 
I'm not gonna say hindered his development because that's more big picture, but it's it's definitely affected his season like incredibly, and you can tell just by the way that the team has deployed him so far. Well, let me ask you: they're working him to up to a certain point, and I think the aim is to get him at peak in time for the for the final run here. So let me ask you that: as it stands today, you can answer it in two parts if you'd like, because it's a difficult question to answer. As it's to answer it as it stands today. And as it stands in the future, i.e. the playoffs and next season, so the imminent future, is Willie a line driver? I would say in the situations he's being used in right now in the third line, he looks like he's he's driving that third line. That might have a lot to do with matchup. But I think he seems to be more of a complimentary playmaker to Austin Matthews, as we've seen. Yeah, he can shoot the puck. Yeah, he can pull the trigger. And yeah, he can, he can. He's a zone entry wizard when he's going, as he, as we've noticed in the past few games. He carried the puck very well, established in the zone, created space for for his line mates. Um, I think he has the capability, but I don't think he's he's considered that right now in the same context that Matthews and Marner are considered line drivers. I agree. So do you think he has the potential to get there? Absolutely. The absolutely. I just think given the the plethora of talent around the Maple Leafs offense that he doesn't have to be necessarily cast in that situation. Um, you know, injuries might change that situation for him. Um, and that could be the situation in right now where he's, he, say he ends up centering that third line. He's going to have to be the prime driver of that line. But I think he already has been. He's been carrying the puck. He's been getting the zone entries. He's been creating the offense. Okay, so uh, final thought on the cadre. We'll obviously have to... Uh, it's not like we can keep you updated because we see, we talk to you every week. But um, we'll see. I don't necessarily think it's going to be long-term. So that that aside, are we interested in anything? Do you know of any interesting points about what we may be looking at because that's one thing that i haven't really seen i haven't been paying attention to it as much as i do in 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 many years past but there's got to be someone must be saying something about where we're leaning in terms of like acquiring interest yeah do we have interest in anyone that's the thing the story has been mainly around defensemen and you know, there's been some up there, oh, get a gritty winger or a sandpaper winger. You know, that's been tossed around, but I don't think it's been seriously considered up until this point. Um, again, I still think the focus for the Leafs is on, on defense, uh, but this injury could change that that perspective on them. Um, how comfortable are they rolling in the playoffs with Freddie Goche? I mean, you lose a centerman in the playoffs, and all of a sudden everyone's bumped up one spot. We don't have any centermen waiting in the in the wings in in the minors either to jump up and, and fill a spot or some of you be comfortable going the playoffs with. So I know there's not a lot of centers out there, and the ones that you have to get or say that are out there are are, are going to cost you for sure. So they might stand pat regardless, assuming that Kadri will be okay for the playoffs. But this this will be a weird one because. Given the time of season and the way we know the Leafs treat injuries now, he could be out for a while because they want him to be 100%. They're not clawing or, or anything for a playoff spot at this time. So there's yeah, no urgency, I mean, right? Well, there should be because home ice is going to be huge. It is going to be huge, and that's what they're battling for right now. But I think they, they're they going to give the nod to their depth before they seriously consider bringing in some help 
And and it, once again, I think it goes back to the prices involved for acquiring centers at the deadline. I feel like home ice is so is going to be so important in in this in the series that will be Toronto and Boston. <laughs> I believe that it's so important that I'd be willing to go on the line and say, or on the record, I should say, on the line, uh, I would go on the record and say if the Leafs get home ice, the winner of the first game wins the series. And I'd put money on it. Like I'm sure there'd be some pretty decent odds because in a on a bet like that, you'd have to have odds on each, you know, sweep or whatever the case may be. Yeah, right now the Leafs are two points down on Boston with a game in hand. So like that this first going that, right down to the wire. That again. first playoff win at the Scotiabank Arena, formerly the ACC. That first win on home ice would be literally the casting of the demons because it would you would you would instantly. Change the narrative. Well, they never had much momentum in that last series, right? No, like that's was, right. They were playing. They were playing catch up, catch up yeah. right from the first period of the first game. Yeah. So you're you're on your heels like immediately, and you're right. I think that start is going to be really important for them. And if you lose it, it's over. Because <laughs> especially with the break in between the season and playoffs, like any momentum that you might have carried from having a hot end of the season or have a big couple games, that's pretty much gone. It doesn't mean shit when you show up day one on the playoffs. And don't look now, but you know we've talked about how there's no catch in Tampa. Who's won five straight? Boston's also won five straight right now too. So if the Leafs are going to keep pace, uh, we can't keep leaving points on the table. I mean that they, they laid an egg against the Coyotes the other night, and I don't know if you <sighs> wanted to get into this. Um, I, I was I up for dinner. I didn't see it. You didn't see the weird high stick thing? No. I see there was so there was a high uh, alleged high stick that. Uh, made for a disallowed goal against the Leafs. Oh, okay. oh the Nylander goal. Right, and yeah. then there was a high stick later on. It was a day or two later in a game that I think was the eventual game winner for Boston where it was a very obvious high stick. So there was this huge controversy and people were kind of bitching about it. And I didn't look too closely into it. And I think I just didn't because I didn't want to piss myself <laughs> off or stress myself out because yeah. I was like, you know what, this... This is such an NHL thing, and with all the reviews, and you guys have heard repeatedly my feelings on those. So, we, I didn't want to aggravate myself. Well, I did see the uh, Boston one, and yeah. and the funny thing is, is the Boston one is an example of why the NHL is slightly archaic in the sense that and I've said this before on the pod. They're always just a a half step or a full step behind the other sports in terms of just evolving with technology and evolving with like mm -hmm. rule changes and, you know, like uh, changes to their, their collective bargaining agreements with contracts and things like of that nature, like from rules to roster changes, all those things like they, they kind of fall in line, but specifically as it pertains to um, video review. We we've had video review. We've had the capability for video review for a long time. We've just we've just not wanted to use it. We're very traditional in yeah, that sense. Very, we don't want to very change incremental it. small changes when it comes to how they integrate it into the game. But that Boston one was a perfect example of why it's archaic because you because that was a non reviewable. Yeah, it right? was a non reviewable yeah. play that happened literally 0.8 seconds before the actual play, which was. Clearly legal shooting the puck into the net, yeah. no problem. Yeah. That play was fine. But the play that happened 0.8 seconds prior, which was a clear high stick and a and a touch by the high sticking 
attacking player. And even yeah. if it was a defending player, it would still be a whistle. There was you a can't really... high stick the puck anywhere, but you can't review it. So they got fucked over. Yeah, there was a really good take I saw on it that summed it up nicely for me on, on Twitter. And somebody said, okay, so if a guy, if there's a goal and the guy was slightly offside by half a centimeter uh, five minutes ago, then goal disallowed, but high sticking right before the goal occurs, then that's fine. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No reviewing that. Yeah, <laughs> it's true. Eh? Yeah, so it's, I don't again. I didn't want to. I didn't want to fire myself up about it because it's just. It goes back to exactly what you said. It's the NHL is trying to find the right way of of integrating their instant replays and what to use video review for and what not to and what to challenge and what not to and it's it's a mess. <laughs> you know, I remember thinking that uh, I was very proud of the NHL when they made the decision to just blow the horn blow the horn in the oh, arena to interrupt the, the, to play, interrupt the yeah. play if there's a goal that went in and we saw that happen just recently uh was it was it the blues game no i don't know i, don't I can't know. remember what game it was it went off the post top shelf and right back out so it was ended up being a goal they yeah it was it was the blues game i was watching it before hockey in the dressing okay. room okay and it was just like they were playing along. It went off the crossbar. And I remember I was like, oh. And then a few, like literally, I think a full minute or so later, they ended up fucking, Meh, the horn blows. Was that blows. the blue second goal? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, the horn blows. And the, the guys that were in the room, I was pretty early. There was maybe four or five guys there already, though. They were like, what's that? Because it wasn't the end of the period, right? It was just random in the middle of the play. And even the announcers were like, oh, and the horn goes. And I immediately was like, fuck, it went in. Yeah, nobody knew it, though. I didn't even know really what it was. And I was like, it went in, something went in, and then one of the guys <laughs> at hockey was like, what do you mean it went in? And I was like, oh, there was a crossbar recently that must have went in. Oh, it wasn't a crossbar. So I thought that was a good move by the NHL to evolve and be able to be up with the times because why waste fucking time? Why risk injury? Like, you know, like just say, okay, it went in. We have, we have to stop. Instead of waiting for a, a face-off, you might not have a face-off for five minutes, man. And then, you, and then you have to randomly be like, oh, hey, by the way, we got to reset the clock five fucking minutes because we had to wait for a whistle. So finally, they broke that barrier. The next barrier to break is just look at it. Just look at it. I know you don't like review, man, but just look at it. Like that goal can't count. No, That goal not, can't count in yeah, the playoffs. You're absolutely right. And if you tell me that that goal wins the Stanley Cup in overtime, we are Brett Hall in 99 Dallas versus Buffalo all over yeah. again. And that's not good. We can't be there again. Here's that was a, not a good time. And that was well before social media, dude. We can't be there again. Yeah, now. you're right. And here's here's a really weird one that I, I picked up on last night uh, that uh, our boy here, Dango, put on Twitter so eloquently, eloquently. Okay, so it says, Yandel gets a penalty, but, and I, but Eichel scores on the delayed penalty, right? Right. So it wipes out the penalty. There's a coach's challenge on the goal, okay? Eichel put himself offside on the goal, so it's taken back. But Yandel gets a penalty, right, during a, a period in the time. That never I, existed. That never existed. Yes. yes. I, we talked about this before. <laughs> yeah. We talked about this before. We talked about this happening. I talked. That was my <laughs> yeah, thing. That was right. Dude, oh, I remember now. That was all a part of my big rant as to why I fucking hate the offside That's right. review. Because things will happen in the NHL that will apparently have right? never existed. Because if that That's was right. offside, then that penalty that took place after the alleged offside should have never been a penalty. Should have never been a penalty. So, so this time in the game, because they turned the clock back, so a time yeah. in the game that never technically happened 
and it resulting in a penalty for Phoenix. What time does the penalty? What time does the penalty go like down as officially? I wonder. That's that's yeah. That's the weird thing there too. What's the time? The timing of the yeah. There you go. That, look right? up that stat, right? Like that's, that's an so interesting weird. one. So let's just for argument's sake use use easy numbers. So at the eighteen minute mark, the play was crossed the line. So that was the official offside, meaning they would go back to eighteen on the clock when the off when the offside occurred. They're in the zone for two full minutes. Now it's the 16-minute mark when a tripping call is made. So you're right, right? That's what I'm saying. Do you write it down as the it was taken at the 18-minute mark, which was two minutes earlier, or like because you can't go and you can't go into the future? Yeah. Because what if something else happened at the two-minute mark? Like that's like, a result. Goal, third goal. This guy from this guy also a penalty at this yeah. time. <laughs> like that's a that's a situation where some I don't know if they have to take a look at that to try and iron that out because it makes. It makes no sense. Does it, it does it not? It doesn't, but that doesn't like I understand for the referees on the ice, that's just I guess that made sense to them at the time and that's how kind of the rules dictate it has to happen. That is that is the rule. Yeah. We looked it up as for, for the pod reference. It was that was the rule. Um any any infraction that is taken must be served. So it just doesn't seem fair. It's not fair. You the other team loses the goal. But then we still get a penalty anyway. Like it's just, it's it's weird. Yeah, it's it's really weird. It's it's definitely an, an an instance that's exposed kind of the one of the issues that this uh, these reviews have created. Do you watch football? No, not really. No way. It's too bad. Like I'd like a regular football listener to to tweet in and tell me like how many times uh, as you're like how often as you're watching football. Is there a huge argument or debate over the break the plane rule? Right. You know what rule I'm talking about, right? Right. How? Because I watch football often, like not often, often, but often enough. As in, like I won't watch just something fucking random on TV. I will watch a live sport over anything else. So if I'm kind of bored and there's nothing else on, I will flip on the football game. I don't care if it's college or, or, or NFL, whatever. I'll throw it on because it's live sports. And I see that break the plane rule and I never really seem to see any like arguments or debates or like the broadcasters kind of always know, yeah, that's fine. Broke the plane, whatever. That's it. But isn't that at the discretion of the official as well? But then they will review it. It's got to be something make sure. that they're going to consider. I think uh, we've, we've seen the, the issues over the last couple of years and the complaints. I, it seems to be less of a story this year, maybe just because goal scoring is up and we're seeing less being called back. Uh, yeah, but that's because there's a penalty now. Yeah, yeah, because they've obviously kind of backed themselves into a corner here, and we know that the NHL doesn't have an appetite to just turf these outright like I'd like to see personally. But it's kind of the it's the league we're in now. But what it reminds me a little bit when you, when you bring up football is when you know a play's happening and something huge happens for your team, but oh no, there was a flag like right off the snap, and the whole time the play plays itself out and you're like okay well i don't even know whether to cheer because i don't know if this is even going to be this is going to count yeah and i think we've talked about that before too in hockey now where it's like oh is that offside back there like should i be that excited about this goal yeah what's going to happen here and it's just it's as a fan it's torturous and i'm telling you i'm only going to say it again because i want to reiterate the fact that i'm i'm definitely i'm calling in the future at some point if this rule doesn't get changed there's going to be an occurrence where a play is offside and a player on the ice knows it for the defending team. 
and they just walk the puck out and re-enter the zone or something. No, no, no. I'm talking about like the 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 zone was gained by Team A, and a player on Team B was like, "Fuck, that was offside by a mile." Right. I know it was offside, like a hundred percent. So he fucking cherry picks. Yeah. I don't, what are you doing up there? What are you yeah. doing up there? Get the fuck back in the play. No. Because it was offside. I don't give a rat's ass <laughs> if they score. Give me You'd the fucking puck. probably look like such a dummy too and people would start losing their minds. <laughs> but maybe the coach is right on the line. Maybe the backup goalie yeah. is right on the line. Like maybe there's a play that is not egregious, but like very obvious. I don't know if they'd ever you know? like be so confident in it that it would dictate how they how they played on the ice. Yeah, but I mean, but man, I'm like, sure you'd have in your head being like, that was offside. I'm going to say something immediately in case yeah, you know, the coaches you, or somebody misses it. Dude, they got the fucking iPad right there on the bench. Yeah, like, like I was watching saying, you got it. guys in the video room are really dictating the outcomes of games and are a big part of the coaching staff. Like, We've seen if you're those guys in the the video review rooms for the teams and you're you're making goals and taking goals, you better be getting a raise. In this our guy, our guy should be fired. Because oh. <laughs> Bab, Babs only Babs only challenges only loses challenges. He he yeah he he <laughs> exclusively only challenges plays that we he loses. Yeah, that's it's it. It's almost like let's give it a try because we're not sure how they're going to apply the rules this day. And oh. I and I get that too. I and understand. Other times I'm like, why is he not challenging? Why is he not challenging? And then they drop the puck, and I'm yeah. just like, oh my. And there's fuck. times where you're like, oh well, it's worth a challenge because I don't I don't know if that was a goal for sure either. If it if we <laughs> review it, we don't know how they're going to decide. And then just as soon as I'm done bitching about why they didn't challenge, we take a fucking too many men on the ice penalty, and I'm just like, <laughs> what is happening right now? Oh man. All right, we done here? You got yeah. fantasy? Yeah, I'm going to rip off some fantasy. Rip so uh, I promised you guys last week that I was going to cover the final week of fantasy, which is week 20, starts next Monday. Um, last week, I gave you uh, quick little tips on the, the, the current week that's going on. So if you want to check those out, uh, head to the towards the end of episode 21. Uh, the most important thing to note here for week 20, and it is very important, Florida Panthers play five games this week. They play... Monday, Tuesday, Thursday, Saturday, Sunday. So the only unfortunate part about them playing five games, if there is one, which really there isn't, because if you have Florida Panthers players, if you got a guy like Barkov, you're really laughing. Um, if you don't have any of the Florida Panthers, like if you don't have a piece of them on your team, uh, but you have, uh, let's let's just say, a, a couple Detroit players that you may or may not be able to lose uh, on your team, Detroit only plays twice, Tuesday and Saturday. So maybe you uh, drop a guy on Detroit and pick up a Frank Vetrano or something like that for uh, for Florida. Uh, also, Dadanov is available in a few leagues. I think he's pretty under-owned as well. So just quickly, they go uh, Colorado, Arizona, Vegas, Carolina, Ottawa. So those are some gettable games in terms of goal scoring. Colorado, as we talked about earlier, has been fucking brutal. Uh, Arizona has been better of late, but of course the you know the team just isn't uh, high in the standings overall uh, as we speak. Vegas, um, that is a road game for uh, the Panthers. All three of those, Colorado, Arizona, Vegas are on the road. Vegas, though, Lesko, they've been losing a lot in their barn lately. Have you checked out that stat recently? Like well, they've been least. losing a lot. The Leafs came in there and tuned them up, which, that's a, <laughs> yeah. I mean, they didn't have, I they, know they got tuned up in their barn last year, so it was nice to see the Leafs come in there. And uh, and I know they had a good traveling fan base for that particular game. but I uh, think Vegas was like 0-3. Like they had lost three consecutive when the Leafs came in and made it four. Yeah, and I think they've lost one since then still as well. Still a good team, though. Still, oh, absolutely. But so, so, you know, they're, they're gettable. Uh, and then um, Saturday and Sunday they go back-to-back. Carolina versus Ottawa, and as we know, again, Ottawa always seems to be in, involved in high-scoring games. 
uh, depending on when the trade uh, may or may not, or excuse me, this is all obviously after the trade because this starts Monday. So um, you might actually have a few guys that uh, are on the move that might not play. Isn't that a thing too, eh, Lesko? Like guys get traded and then they don't end up playing like that game or the game after they might miss it. They might miss a game sometimes, right, on the trade? Well, sometimes there's like uh, visa, visa issues. Visa issues. That seems to be the, the main delay. That's weird. Visa that's, and immigration issues. That's weird. Like I could cross uh, I could cross the border and, and go fucking play a game of like pickup hockey somewhere. Right, but you're not being paid. You're yeah, not, You're I not guess. working yeah, in that country. All right, so that's the uh, most important note. Florida, five games. Uh, very important. Um, right up behind that, as I mentioned, is Detroit. Uh, they're the only team in the league that plays uh, two games this week that's tuesday saturday uh montreal and arizona so tough uh tough game against montreal uh and both their games on heavy nights um i'll just go quickly through uh bad schedules and when i say bad schedules i mean uh the only games they play are tuesday thursday and saturday there's only three teams it's arizona boston and dallas so arizona boston and dallas like if if you're thinking about your team here, you got some Florida, you got some Arizona, Boston, Dallas, you're like, shit, that sounds like my team. Um, you're going to be sitting guys, basically. If you're in a Yahoo fantasy head-to-head, you're going to end up sitting guys. So trade deadline's coming up. Maybe you might be able to sell high on a guy that uh, you would end up sitting anyways. <laughs> uh, so have a look at that. And good schedules. Again, only four teams to note here. Uh, but these teams uh, play on Mondays, Wednesdays, Fridays and Sundays dominantly. A couple of the teams are going to play on a Tuesday, Saturday, or Thursday. Um, but Anaheim and Colorado, they play Monday, Wednesday, Friday, Sunday. That's the perfect fantasy schedule uh, as far as a week-to-week uh, league is concerned, specifically with the Sunday finish. Um, so I myself, I have John Gibson in one of my important keeper pools, and I'm Really, really hoping that he ends up coming back. I, I actually go on Twitter often. Maybe can you pull anything up, see if I've got an update? Uh, sorry, let's go as, uh, as I'm talking. But let's I really... Just your secretary sorry. here. Whoops. Um, fucking microphone. Just like fucking boom. yard sale Post. over there. Fucking bird. <laughs> oh, my God. Okay, fuck it. I'm just going to hold it. Anyways. He's on the IR with a head injury. Somebody's never coming back. Somebody fucking sponsor the podcast. We need <laughs> new equipment. We need new wire. Fuck sakes. Your fucking I'm using like strapping from a Christmas decoration and fucking <laughs> knee high, whatever they are. What are these things? Pantyhose? Pantyhose. Fucking pantyhose. For, for robbing banks. Fuck. And and doing podcasts, apparently. Doing podcasts. Anyways, Anaheim. I'm hoping John Gibson is coming back soon. They go Monday, Wednesday, Friday, Sunday. Uh, it's a perfect fantasy schedule. Colorado does it as well. Colorado, obviously, not the greatest option. I have Miko Ranton in, in the same pool. And, man, oh, man, I don't even want to talk about it. Uh, New Jersey, Nashville, and Vancouver. Nashville goes... Uh, Monday, Tuesday, Friday, Sunday. New Jersey goes Monday, Wednesday, Friday, Saturday. And Vancouver goes Monday, Wednesday, Thursday, Sunday. So those are three more really good teams. So you've got Anaheim, Colorado, Nashville, New Jersey, and Vancouver are good ads. They've got they've all got four games this week. Actually, most of the league has four games. Uh, I shouldn't say most. It's probably about half. It's split half and half. Uh, league has either three games or four games this week. It's a pretty heavy week, man. It's an eight-game ticket on Sunday as well, which I was writing down, which I thought, like, normally it's not that busy of a night or a day on Sunday, is it? Good gambling day. 
Yeah, yeah, you're right. I'm not going to rhyme off all the fucking the schedule for you. You can just head uh, head to Sunday's schedule on your on your mobile device or tablet or whatever the fuck you do. Call a buddy. Uh, quickly, last thing, fantasy related. Uh, back to backs for goaltenders uh, in week twenty. Uh, once again, final week of the regular season for fantasy, so you got to make a push. Um, Buffalo, two of their four games are uh, on back to backs. Montreal, two of their four games are back-to-backs. And Florida, two of their five games, as mentioned earlier, are back-to-backs. So, you got to think Price is a candidate there to start a lot of those games, but might be a start in there for Niemi. He's kind of earned, earned his trust well, there. And I just I just looked up Price's statistics recently just because I, I was interested to see if I might be able to make a trade to acquire him. Um, and then I realized that he's played every game in the last, like, forever yeah, they 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 He's, gotta they gotta stay in that battle, right? They gotta stay comfortable in that playoff situation, so they don't want to give up any ground. And like he's looking like the the price of old as well, yeah. right? Oh, like yeah, he's back. Not, yeah, he, I would say he's back. And I mean, like, did you ever really uh, think less of him? Did you think that he was going to go through some struggles? Or well, I, we knew he was struggling. We talked about it earlier in the season, and we knew that he wasn't quite where where he was and what he wasn't playing to what his, he was capable and what we knew him for. Um, no surprise that he's back, though. I think it was only a matter of time. It's it's hard when you're a goalie, right? Like yeah. An injury can really throw you off, and it can throw off your conditioning, and it can throw off your flexibility. So it's good to see he's back, but I don't think it's surprising. Uh, eight consecutive starts for Carey Price dating back to February 3rd. He went three wins in a row, then four losses in a row which is interesting. Then he followed that up with a win. But he was he was really good in all those losses too, let's go. That's why we're still talking about him because it wasn't him. Yeah. Like he didn't let up five, six goals. He's letting in literally three goals each yeah, time. Yeah, he's giving them a chance yeah. to win. Yeah, so, uh, job. so he's been looking good. So uh, Montreal is a good option. Uh, I think Niemi would probably play one of those two. Um, you can't go wrong with having either uh, Allmark or Hutton for Buffalo because I believe that they're basically just going to split from here on out because they thought it was Hutton at first at right let's go then they thought it was Olmark yeah now they have no clue yeah they they might be I think the wheels have come off Buffalo there and and it goes back to what we talked about when they were hot they're not quite the real deal yet and then Florida bringing up the uh, rear in this conversation again five games so absolutely without a doubt you're going to see multiple starts from uh, Roberto Luongo and James Reimer. I don't know about multiple starts for James Reimer. You might you might see the one, but realistically, in a five-game week, man, they're going to have to, at best, go 3-2, wouldn't you think? I would think so. I would think so. Like, that's a rare week. That's a really big week. How do you think a player gets prepared for a five-game week instead of, what, a standard three or four-game You got to think the like? coach is laying it out to the to the goaltenders, at least what their plan is, uh, so that these guys can prepare accordingly. All right. Well, that's it for my fantasy schedule. I did, like I said, I did have the Sunday down, but there's no real. The San Jose Chicago game on Sunday would probably be uh, an interesting one might to be, follow. Might be a fucking barn burner that one. Just a goal fast point night. Uh, one quick note I wanted to mention just to wrap things up here on the show that the Leafs have just released today the St. Pat's gear, I guess, is making another appearance this season. I love those green and white jerseys. Did they leak it, or is it? it would, no, the Leafs 
put it out today like on their official like channels and everything oh it's out yeah they got all the gear in the leaf store the t-shirts the hats and those very beautiful jerseys i was reading online that uh one of i guess it was just a review from someone they said it was basically the exact same as last year pretty much yeah Yeah. or two years ago i think oh two years ago yeah anyway they're they're beautiful though not enough not enough green unis out there and i maybe i like them just because they're completely different from what the the standard variation on the leafs uniform is with the whole new color scheme or completely different color scheme yeah it's true i i kind of have uh i have mixed feelings about it personally because it's all about the blue for me right yeah yeah but you're right it is a nice it's almost like a cheat day (laughs) it's a nice treat (laughs) it's a cheat day it's a nice treat and and green isn't a isn't a a terrible uh secondary color it's not like we're throwing out a a red or a black or yeah you know something that's really common right or like associated with another team (laughs) all right well, let's wrap it up here on the Pucks and D podcast. Been another good edition, episode twenty-two under wraps. Follow us, follow us on Twitter at PuckPod. You'll find the uh, handle for the show specifically, where you can throw us some chirps or ask us some questions. Feed us some content. We need some fucking content. I love that. Uh, I love that lick. I don't. I always feel bad talking over it. At Coleman forty-two, you'll find me on Twitter follow me i don't do a whole lot of anything but i'll i'll start i promise at let's go adam you can follow adam he's way more active than i am it's good it's good dynamic till next week josh coleman signing off